0: As leaders, the most important thing we can do is create a culture of evangelism in our ministries, um, because I, what typically happens, especially Good. in Southern Baptist life, since that's the tribe we're in, is typically we'll come up with like a tool or strategy. We'll think it's the silver bullet. Then it'll get hashtag viral for a little bit. We'll all try it, um, and then we'll put it back on the shelf. It collects dust. Then we're looking for the next evangelism silver bullet, right? Um, And I think the most important thing we can do is really cultivate a culture of evangelism. There's that old Peter Drucker Drucker quote that says, uh, culture will eat your strategy for breakfast, right? So you can have all the tools, you can have all the initiatives, you can have all the strategies. But if you don't have a culture of evangelism in your ministry, then it doesn't matter. That culture will eventually eat that stuff. And then you'll go right back to the default of what you know. Family, multiplication, restoration. I'm Dahadi Lewis. Join me, Noah Odom and Hayden Radner, as we come to you from Atlanta, St. Louis, and Las Vegas, as we seek to add value to your church planning journey. We'll have real-time, authentic conversations that are relevant to the life of the church planner and pastor. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America, and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. The world tells us our differences should divide us, but the gospel, it has a different story. Our mission, our calling, His command, is a mission that unites every Christ follower in a way that stands out, a way that doesn't make sense to the world. Join us, June 13th and 14th, at Send Conference to be refreshed and celebrate the church together on mission. A free event hosted by the International Mission Board and North
1: American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. Learn more at SendConference.com. Welcome back to the We Are Send Network podcast. So grateful to be with you today. My name is Hayden Radner, senior pastor over here in Las Vegas. Not the city of sin, but the city of him here at Walk Church. And I'm also grateful to be on with my guide, Noah Odom. Lead pastor of August Gate Church in the STL. And we're just picking it up where we left off last week. We're talking about evangelism. We're talking about mission. We're talking about church planting. And who better to bring on than my guy Shane Pruitt, the national next generation director with NAM? And so let's go ahead and jump right back in. So grateful to be back on podcast with you guys.
2: Mm. Man, thanks for thanks for getting us started, Hyden. Man, always good to be with you guys, Shane. Um, I think we're going to change your title to uh, Evangelism Ninja after the last last episode. <laughs> um, so good. I got I got more notes than I can even handle here, but I'm excited for this conversation today. Let's continue, to keep it going. Hey, this word yeah. "missional" is a big buzzword today. Uh, it's been a big buzzword for the last 15 years, really, um, and I think in many ways uh we, we've we've lost the definition. What does it really mean and and so, I would love for you to help us begin this conversation is how does missional and evangelistic how do they work together? how are they different? What does that look like
0: yeah, I love it you're right, man. missional living is for lack of a better term, almost like that junk drawer term. You know, we all in our kitchens or shops or whatever have a junk drawer where it's like everything that we don't know where to put in another drawer just ends up in that drawer, you know? So you got like batteries wow. in there, pins, like Band-Aids, whatever. And so I feel like <laughs> missional has become that. Like when we really don't know how to describe it, we just throw it in there. So for me, it, to me, missional living basically means to live on mission that if you have been bought with the blood of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God, then God's given you a ministry. God has called you to be a missionary uh, in your mission field. And so the easiest way to describe that is you go, well, what is my mission field? What is my ministry? And I always say that ground between your two feet at any point of the day is your ministry. That's your mission Mm -hmm. field. So your job is your mission field. You may not like your job, but love your mission field. God has sent you there Hmm. to know Jesus and to make Jesus known to the lost people around you. Um, Your school, mission field. Uh, Your neighborhood, mission field. Hmm. Uh, Your family, mission field. Uh, The nation's mission field. So to me, missional living is the ground between your two feet is your mission field, and
1: you're there to know Jesus and make Jesus known so good. Yeah, I once uh read the great missionary Jim Elliot uh say wherever you are, be there. Mm, yeah. Right? And I think what he was saying is wherever God has placed you, be there. Be on mission, be present, be open for the divine appointment. Actually be looking for it, be praying for it. Because God, let me give let me quote from one other uh, leader Charles Spurgeon um, who once said God's doing a thousand things at once usually we're aware of three right and so we've <laughs> mm. got to be masterminding and setting <laughs> things awesome. up all around us that we're we need to tap into for the purpose of of mission and when I think about mission and and you said this on the last episode so if you're listening for the first time today when I invite you to go check out last, last podcast as well, because it was so good. But you said this on the last episode that uh, making disciples, which is the calling, that's the mission. We have a clear mission as Christians. It's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and it's to go make disciples. But I love what you said, Shane. You said disciple making doesn't happen unless we first have evangelism, right? Or if we don't, we don't have evangelism, we don't have anybody to d- d- disciple. And so I love how evangelism and disciple making are two sides of the same coin. That's really the mission. We need to have those two things married and not at odds with each other for for sure. Amen. Hmm. How about you, Noah? Definitely. I love that.
0: And I always say this. Go ahead, Shane. Hit it, Shane. Yeah, I always say it like this too: is that, uh, you know, I think we we kind of cut out our legs out from under us when we separate evangelism and discipleship and missions all from each other when it's all really the same thing. You know, like the calling of God on our life is missions to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Evangelism is the invitation to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Discipleship is the equipping and training to know Jesus and make Jesus known. And so I always love my dear brothers who say this, you know, like, well, we really just focus on discipleship. And, you know, as kindly as I can say it, like if you are not reaching people with the gospel and the baptism waters aren't stirring, then I promise you, you're not making disciples because part of the discipleship mm, process is to equip people and empower people how to share the gospel with their friends to know Jesus and make Jesus right. known. Yeah.
2: Oh, man, that's really good. You know, to, to pull out the the big theological words, you know, we have the very beginning of the book of Genesis in chapter three, we have the proto-evangelion, the first gospel. That's where we get the word evangelism from, the evangelion, the good news. But I think there's so many in my generation at least, right. and, and I'm an old millennial or a young Gen Xer, depending on when you when you count things. And we kind of think evangelism is the um, is the going door to door or the asking a perfect stranger on the street if you were to die right now. Uh, where would you go? Or, or to do maybe the Ray Comfort thing of, of, a, of an interview with somebody. Mm-hmm. Or on the other end, they think it's having a come and see event, a uh, big crowd using all these different elements, and then giving an altar call at the end, every head bowed, every eye closed. And for some reason, the church planning game, there's been a lot of people that have, for whatever reason, have been turned off by that. And they kind of put missional living at right. odds with living a life because of and for mm. and to tell the good news. And so uh, I want to, let's interact on that a little bit, Shane, like uh, m- go and tell, come and see why are they at odds with one another? And do they have to be in the church plant?
0: Yeah, yeah. They're not mortal enemies. They're conjoined twins. Hmm. You know good. what I mean? So like you need both, right? And so you go, okay, is it more go and tell? Is it come and see? Wait, yes it's yes and it's not or it's and so i mean you see that um i mean my gosh you see in acts chapter two the birth of the church where they would go to the temple come and see but then they would go house to house go and tell so still yes we are called to equip people to live on mission to go tell people about jesus help them, train them how to articulate the gospel, because most people sitting in our chairs or in our pews do not know how to articulate the gospel. And they may have been, quote unquote, following Jesus for 30 years. But if you go, hey, share the gospel with me, we're mortified by the things we hear. So we must intentionally train people how to share the gospel, go and tell. So sometimes even people go, well, what's the best evangelism tool? Uh, Whichever one shares the gospel and whichever one they'll do, that's the best one, right? Um, And so at Nam, I love three circles. That's (laughs) one that works uh, yeah it works right and so which one works whichever one you'll work it that's the one that works right um and so yes we Mm -hmm. must equip people to go and tell and here's what's good news is that as our culture becomes more and more post-christian there may be some um for lack of a better term some conveniences that we've enjoyed for the last several decades of being able to just walk into public schools or be able to to go into public squares. And those avenues may be closed off to us as the church collectively, may be closed off to us as pastors, but it's not closed off to our people because they're there, right? So student, take the public right. school. You may not yeah. as a youth pastor or church planner be able to go into the public school, but the teenagers and the children in your ministry can't. They're there every day. So equip them to go and tell and to go live on mission in their schools. Same thing with jobs the neighborhoods, and nations, go and tell. But come and see still works too, because guess what? That's where people are equipped. That's where people are empowered. That's where people gather as the church. And still, whether you're in the South, the North, East Coast, West Coast, still the most effective invitation to a religious service or a church service or a worship service whatever terminology you want to use is a personal invitation let's even take generation z that's coming up right. according to the wall street journal less than 30 percent of generation z says religion is important to them not even christianity just religion oh. less than 30 percent if that be true then statistically speaking wow. generation z is the least religious generation we've ever seen truly a post-Christian wow. generation—that's a product of a post-Christian culture. However, over eighty percent of them wow. say they are willing to go to a religious service if they're personally invited by a trusted friend. So, still, a personal wow. invite to church still works. So I don't care where you live. Yeah,
2: man,
1: it's so true. That's so true. And and having the, you know, the 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 means to do it. In other words. Fill your wallet, your pockets with invite cards that look trendy and clean and have clear information like times, location, website, kids' church, a big you're invited on the front, saved you a seat on the front, sit with me on the front, free coffee. You know, like I think by all, whatever means we can use, we want to be effective with sharing, sharing the gospel. I know that this is one thing that's passionate on Noah's heart. You know, I, you're a, you're an evangelist. You've been, uh, talking about that, but you live that as well. And that's, I think church planters have to be catalytic in their evangelistic approach. We got to gather people and we don't want to just gather. We don't want to do sheep swapping, right? We want to reach new people through starting new churches. Noah, how's this looked for you guys in the August gate journey when you think about mission and evangelism?
2: Yeah. And our church has been in different contexts over the years. We first planted, we planted in the city, and then we planted another location of our church in the suburbs. And then the church in the city became an autonomous church, and now I'm just in the suburbs. So I've lived in the inner city and done mission in the inner city. I've lived in the suburbs and done that. I grew up in the farming community. So I feel like I've seen a lot of context. And man, I think. I think still it's it's both and, absolutely. I have some of my most powerful one-on-one conversations just in missional living. The other day, I was eating at lunch with a member of my church at a steakhouse, and the waitress said something that just triggered me, and I was like, I want to find a way to share the gospel with her. So I just grabbed a hold of what she said and started a conversation, and by the end of it, it's like the woman at the well store. She's telling me her whole life, and I'm speaking into it, and we're wow. praying for her, and wow. just...
0: Love it, and I, I told Great. my
2: son the other day, my, awesome. my son's like wanting to sh- learn to share the gospel with the neighbor across the street. He's really excited about it, but he, he finds like his friend doesn't want to hear it. I said, man, you just got to do it. Are you nervous? Oh, I'm super nervous, dad. You just got to do it. I say, every time I drive down this street that we were driving down, when a rental car guy comes and picks me up, I said, I just make it my ambition. I said Jesus, give me the strength. Give me the grace. Give me the open door between now and the time we get there to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And he always nice. provides it. And so I, I believe in the personal evangelism Good. strategy, but man, I tell you what, this last week we had a full church service times two, and I got to share the gospel with all of them. And a lot of them don't go to church anywhere, but came because they were invited because it was Easter. And so, man, I just got to say, I, I think go and tell, right. come and see. It's about the integrity that comes along with it. If you yeah. don't want to do it without integrity, don't do it without integrity. Do it with integrity. But man, that's make good. it happen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that too. I love the phrase. It's a it's a phrase that I learned in a book by author named Jim Putman. He wrote a book called Disciple Shift and Shifting from Knowledge-Based Discipleship to Relational Discipleship. And here's one of the quotes he used in that book that really moved powerfully in my life he said he said relationships create a bridge that which the gospel can walk across and be heard and received and what i think sh- one of the struggles we have in our personal evangelism efforts sometimes is if it comes off so cold people don't hear and receive but when we can establish relationship there's there's relationship evangelistic efforts that go far or even s- servant evangelistic efforts. And so I think there's so many different nuance and practical ways to be more evangelistic. One thing that our church is doing is our schools are starting to open back up in our city. Actually, this week right now is the first time where kids are able to go back full time to school. And so what we're doing is identifying the middle school we've partnered with from the beginning, and we're doing a, a box lunch for all 80 teachers and administrators And we're saying, okay, we're not necessarily going to have the opportunity to share the gospel yet. But man, we're priming, we're building relationship, we're establishing trust, relational equity, credibility. And what we've found is that there's teachers that are asking us, why is it that you guys are so generous? And brother, sister, have a good answer, a gospel-centered answer Mm -hmm. when we get asked those questions. And so, yeah, i I think when I when I think about the di- the the topics of evangelism and mission my mind goes to serving my mind goes to mm. relationship yeah. development and even sticking it out for the long haul I've heard some missionaries globally say it takes at least 2 years to establish relational trust anywhere because people are so used to people going in and out of their lives or the cancel culture or the agenda driven mentality where I'm just my agenda is to meet you just to share my faith with you. We don't want this to be a pyramid scheme vibe. you know, we are actually sharing right. the good news of eternal life with people. it's it's deep, it's big. So anyways, mm. yeah, I, I love yeah. talking about evangelism. I think specifically yeah. in your role, Shane, with young adults, youth, I mean, you are the youth camp goat, bro. That's facts, man. <laughs> Nobody has led more teenagers oh, to Christ than the man Shane Pruitt. Come on, somebody. Um, oh, Shane, how, like, think about this kind of. How, how can we be thinking about? How can the, per, the the person listening or watching this be thinking about the next generation as well when it comes to mission and evangelism?
0: Oh man, so so much so much goodness there, uh, man. Uh, first of all, your words are kind. To God be the glory. Uh, I'm Crazy. a moron. So I think God just uses us in spite of ourselves sometimes, you know, so <laughs> all glory <laughs> to God, man. Um, yeah, man, I would say this. Um, don't when it comes to the next generation, even in culture of evangelism, don't overthink it. The stuff that's worked for 2000 years still works to today, you know, still works today. You know, I love so I, I still just really land on and just, you know, Hebrews 4, 12. The word of God is living. Active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intention of the heart. Like that's all present tense talk. Like the Bible is always relevant. Stick to the word, you know? And so, yeah, two things real quick. um, And Um, That I really want to address on this part, because I think it really kind of really sum up a lot of the things we've been talking about is, first of all, I think as leaders, the most important thing we can do is create a culture of evangelism in our ministries. Um, Because what typically happens, especially in Southern Baptist life, since that's the tribe we're in, is typically we'll come up with like a tool or strategy. We'll think it's the silver bullet. Then it'll get hashtag viral for a little bit. We'll all try it. Um, And then we'll put it back on the shelf. It collects dust. Then we're looking for the next evangelism silver bullet, right? Um, And I think the most important thing we can do is really cultivate a culture of evangelism. There's that old Peter Drucker, Mm. Drucker quote that says, Uh, culture will eat your strategy for breakfast, right? So you can have all the tools, you can have all the initiatives, you can have all the strategies, but if you don't have a culture of evangelism in your ministry, then it doesn't matter. That culture will eventually eat that stuff, and then you'll go right back to the default of what you know. And so how do we influence Hmm. a culture of evangelism in our ministry? Because that's just going to be a propelling pad for all of these efforts for the name, fame, and the glory of King Jesus. And four quick things to do that. First of all, is you as the leader, create the standard. Uh, Your people will never do what they don't see you doing. Like, that's why I love that both of you guys are talking about personal evangelism. Like in your sermons, share illustrations where you're sharing the gospel, where you got in a gospel conversation, where you prayed with someone. Um, You know, it's not up to us to save. Only Jesus can do that. But it is up to us to point them to the one who can save jesus and we got to create the standard as leaders Uh, same thing in disciple making who are we discipling who are we spending time on once again people aren't going to do what they don't see their pastor doing so how are we creating a standard share those Mm -hmm. in sermons and to have those illustrations then you got two choices. You either can do it or lie about it. Don't lie about it. Actually do it. (laughs) Create the standard. Uh, You know, number two um, is celebrate what you want to replicate. If we're saying evangelism Mm -hmm. and discipleship and missional living is most important, then that's what we should celebrate more than anything else. Um, You know, as Southern Baptists, we're good at celebrating nickels and noses, right? The, The attendance and the budget. And so mm. when those things are good, then we're discipling our people to whatever we celebrate the most is what we're discipling our people to believe is most important. So if attendance is up, people mm-hmm. go, oh, God ah. must be moving. If attendance is down, God must be mad at us. If the giving is up, God must be moving. If giving's down, God must be mad at us. No, if we're saying evangelism, wow. discipleship and missional living is most important, that's what we should celebrate more than anything else through our testimonies, our videos, Good. illustration. And I always say this, hey, don't just celebrate what we consider success. Usually we just celebrate, hey, here's John. He showed the gospel with the atheist right there in Starbucks in the midst of You know, empty coffee cups. He gave his life to Jesus. And we're like, yeah, that's amazing. We celebrate that. Yes, celebrate that. But also celebrate the stories of faithful obedience to where, hey, here's John. He shared the gospel. Right. The person didn't accept, but John did what he was called to do. He was obedient to share the gospel. Salvation is up to the Lord. So let's celebrate what we want to replicate. Whatever we celebrate the most is what we're discipling our people to believe is most important. Uh, Number three, real quick, coach them in the gospel. We already talked about that. Pick a tool that is relevant for your context, that your people can understand and coach them in it. Don't assume they know how to share the gospel uh, because they probably don't. So coach them how to share the gospel. And then number four, call out the missionaries. So that's what we talked about at the beginning. Hey, Mm. if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a ministry, you have a mission field, and let's equip the saints for ministry uh, because that's what we're called to do. And who are the saints? It's not just a football team in New Orleans or people in the old paintings with halos Mm. around their heads followers of Jesus are saints. And why is yeah. it our job to equip the saints for ministry? Because every saint has a ministry. So it's our job to equip them for that. So to me, that's mm-hmm. how you cultivate a culture of evangelism is create the standard, celebrate what you want to replicate, coach them in the gospel, and then call out the missionaries. And then when it comes to next generation, I want to share this, um, is that, you know, if you think about it, when Gen Z uh, or teenagers or young adults, college students come into our service, um, and I please hear my heart in this let them hear you preach the word because that's the need if they come into our worship services and when it comes to the sermon part all they hear is basically a self-help pep talk with Bible verses sprinkle out of context? For lack of a better term, that's just white noise to them because that's what they hear everywhere else. That's what they see up and down the hallways mm-hmm. at their school is stuff like believe in yourself and follow your heart. That's what they see on social media. That's the books that are out right. there. If, if they come from a non-Christian family, that's probably what their family's telling them or their friends. So if they come to our services and they basically just hear this self-help pep talk, With Bible verses out of context, then that's just white noise to them. That's what they hear everywhere else. However, if they come to our religious services because somebody invited them and they hear Genesis through Revelation being preached, they hear the word of God being preached and they hear, you know what? The world is broken we're broken our only hope is jesus then whether they agree with it or not or whether they even like it or not at first that will cut through the white noise because they literally will not hear that anywhere else so know this you have a message (sighs) that people are not hearing anywhere else and it's the word of the most high god stick to it trust
1: it it's always relevant yeah man man so good Hey, we got two and a half minutes before we wrap this podcast up, and I want to do something in these two and a half minutes that uh, sometimes, Noah, we do the three by three. What what I like to do right now is just do a one by one, and that means we all are going to go around and share one thing, and here's the one thing. What's your favorite evangelistic method uh, when it comes to sharing the gospel? Is it relational? Is it serving? Is it one-on-one? Is it the three circles? Is it—so, all right, we're going to go ahead. I'm going to pass it. To Shane, you got to kick it off, your favorite evangelistic method, and we'll pass it to Noah.
0: Oh, man. All right. Two, real quick, if it's a longer conversation, if I'm doing lunch with somebody I've been praying for, investing in, and we have yeah. some time, uh, to me, it doesn't get any better than three circles when you can sit down, nice. walk it out, talk it out. But hey, if it's a short conversation at a Starbucks or sitting on a plane, dude, I still default to the old one verse evangelism. Romans 6.23, man, that that lays it out good. So yeah, those are my two go-tos. Mm. Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: I like that. Romans 6.21, verse evangelism, three circles. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Noah? My number
2: one, and no matter what, what context it is, if it's just me having a conversation is I want to hear their story. I start asking them as many questions because there's there's one thing yeah, that love everybody that. loves to do. Everybody loves to talk about themselves. They're an expert in themselves. And so if I, if I, if I show interest in them, they're already interested in themselves. So they'll tell me their story. And then eventually, because it's, it's what you do, it's polite. You ask, what do you do for a living? And I tell them I plant churches and immediately opens the door of like, oh, that's interesting. Let me tell you why. And I share my testimony. I tell them what God did to save me radically. And I say, he, he he deserves my life. Come on, and so I just share the gospel from there, depending on what they've told me yeah, in their yeah. story. So that's my method.
1: I that's love cool that. sharing the gospel yeah. through testimony. Is so yeah. strong. Yeah, I'm. I like both those answers. I love relational evangelism. I love establishing relationship that has trust is built into it, and then being able to say, "I love you so much. I want to spend eternity with you." Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, being yeah. able to say, so I want to invite you in, into my family and into, and, and really it's a family I've been invited into through Christ. One method that I've found to be kind of quick and on the spot is the ABCs of evangelism, admit, believe, confess. Um, if I don't have the opportunity to hit up the circles, which I think is an effective and really great method. I'll just say, Hey, A, you got to admit that you're a sinner. And then B, you got to believe that the only way is Christ and you got to see, you got to confess that he died and rose and really just try to unpack those as quick and best and effective as I can. And some shotgun prayers, right? Like Holy spirit <laughs> intervene. Yeah. And, and God, he, and he will, yeah. he will. I think he's wait, he's willing, right? Amen. So Amen. man, those are three really awesome methods. Yeah. And we pray that you got some tools from this podcast. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up right here. Thank you so much, Pastor Shane, for joining Noah and I on the podcast today. We Hope this won't be the last time, because there's so much rich Amen. fruit and treasures that um, that we got from you today. And if this is your first time listening, um, uh, it's an honor. watching, uh, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Drop a comment. Drop a five star if you felt like this was a five star. If you didn't, don't do anything at all. You're good. You're you're all good. Um, <laughs> but we'd love for you to uh, engage with us on that. Hey, hit us up on our um, Nam and Send Network. Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Let us know what God's speaking to you through these. We'd love to follow up and maybe apply some of your topics and questions um, on the next few podcasts that we're going to be doing. And uh, if you're interested in church planning, you can text 888 123. Just text the word Send Network to 888 123. Again, we're glad that you joined us today. Look forward to seeing you and joining in next week. God bless.
0: You have been listening to We Are Send Network a resource of the North American Mission Board. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant
2: resources, visit sendnetwork.com.